Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, of course, all or on Twitter, obviously, at Sports Fanatic MB. Check out Full Time Fantasy Network as it has a ton of great other podcasts, not just us at the Roundtable. You have Jim Day of FF, FF Champs, Adam Ronis, and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM. Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, the IDT Tipsters, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and many, many others. And you can find all of those on FullTimeFantasy.com. Go there to get all of your fantasy advice and needs. Today's episode, I will be bringing on Mr. Matthew Fox. You can find him at Nighthawk7734. We're going to be doing a full prediction episode. That's right. We are just a couple sleeps away from the NFL actually being here in the season starting up. And speaking of just a couple sleeps away, we are also a couple sleeps away from me and Dennis being at the Fantasy Football World Championships in Las Vegas. We will be recording live from Radio Row on September 6th and 7th at the Palms Resort. I will be doing some kind of live Twitter feed as well, maybe even some Facebook Live stuff, as we will be approaching drafts and sitting in on drafts with some of the best players in the world. Dennis and myself will also be participating in some of these drafts. We cannot wait to get out there. It's going to be a blast. Something I've really never done in my entire life, so I'm really looking forward to it. I will be out there Friday and Saturday. Dennis is getting out there Thursday for the kickoff party. We'll be there with all those guys watching the Thursday night game and everything. Again, it's going to be just awesome. I know neither one of us can wait for it to happen and get here, but... Before we get to that, as I mentioned, we are going to be doing predictions. We are giving you the final, the official predictions of the Roundtable podcast. Obviously, Mr. Tony Dwyer at Commissioner MR. 
uh, is really can, or can only join us on Thursdays, but he did send his picks in. Dennis sent in his award picks, so I'll be reading those off, and then Matt will be joining me here really in just a few seconds, and we will go over each division, pick our division winners, who else makes the wild card, and then go through the entire NFL playoffs for this season and who we think is going to win the Super Bowl and then who is going to win all of those awards. So I'm going to stop gas bagging. I'm going to go ahead and bring Max on and we're going to talk about that. Of course, some news has dropped here recent as well. So we might, might just talk about that before we jump into our predictions for the AFC and NFC. And as I mentioned in the intro there, we've got Mr. Matthew Fox joining us for today's show, our official prediction episode. You can find him at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. Matt, what's going on? How was your Labor Day? It was really good. Really uh, hot here, but uh, you know that's over. A couple of uh, kind of boring days of work, and then we actually have a real game that counts on Thursday night. I can't wait. Oh, I know. I can't wait. Just a couple sleeps away, and we get real football. I know uh, I was just talking about in the intro there that me and Dennis will be in, in Las Vegas for opening weekend for the podcast uh, and the, the Fantasy Football World Championship. So that's going to be fun as well, and it's – it's bad that I'm. I don't. I don't even want to stay and watch the football in Vegas. So like, I'm literally flying home, like red eyeing it Sunday morning, just so I can get home <laughs> and take a couple hours of sleep, so that I can get up and and sit in my my lucky chair and watch the Browns' first game this season against the Titans. And I cannot wait, man. It's it's been a long time coming. I I can't wait for Thursday's game because obviously being the hundred year of the NFL and and the Packers Bears being the oldest rivalry and everything that game last year which was amazing. I remember was it Rogers I think came back from down twenty four something like that the biggest comeback yeah. in that rivalry. So I'm hoping he's healthy this year. Both those teams primed to try and win the NFC North. So it is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then that's what we're going to be talking about today, guys. We're going to be giving you mine and Matt's official predictions for everything. Uh, Tony sent in his, and then Dennis sent his award picks in. So we'll get to all the awards at the end of the end of the program. We do want to touch on the Zeke news. Uh, not much has changed since we talked about it yesterday. He is still, it looks like, uh, progressing toward a new deal. Uh, I did see some figures came out on Twitter earlier that it looks like it's going to be something close to uh, six years and $90 million, which is a lot of money for a very good running back. Uh, the guaranteed money is obviously going to be the interesting thing there because that's going to be really the big cap hit. Uh but other than that, I mean, it still hasn't technically happened. We do know that he is back in Texas with his agent from Cabo, and they're hoping that the deal gets done. Uh, both him and Jason Garrett have come out and said that if it gets signed by Thursday, he will be playing Sunday. So that's something we will also have to watch. I still think Tony Pollard's probably going to get, at at worst, a 50-50 split in that first game because we don't know what kind of shape Zeke is going to be in. Uh, but if you're a Zeke owner and you, you took a risk on him like I did in our FLA draft last night, still took him number four uh, in, in the draft, you're, it, it's looking like you're at least going to get him, if not for week one, at least the rest of the season, barring some kind of injury. So I am definitely excited about that. Yeah, it's got to be a good time for Dallas. I still think Tony Pollard, um, like I said yesterday, is worth hanging on to. You may get some good value week one and then, um, you know, see how it shakes out, see if he ends up having a role. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns because 
literally we got to see none of this situation play out during camp. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's why, I, I mean, again, I drafted, I can't remember what round I drafted him in our draft last night. I want to say it was 9 or 10 I took him. I was actually kind of surprised no one else did. Uh, and I'm holding on to him right now. I still haven't plugged in my starting lineup because I'm right there with you. I think at least for week one, Pollard is going to be, at, and that's why I said at worst 50-50. I think it's more going to be like a 70-30 split. I would not imagine Zeke gets a huge workload week one. But then I would think going forward it's going to be increased more to Zeke. Uh, and I'll probably yep. still hold on to Tony Pollard just in case because that's something you mentioned yesterday. Uh, when you see these guys hold out and don't come back till week one, they don't play any preseason, really not get any kind of camp work. Uh, they tend to get those soft tissue injuries. So that's yep. it's definitely worth holding on to Pollard just for that reason, especially if you've got a, a pretty decent uh, dem- bench depth on your team. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm going to hit you. I'm not going to be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. So just like we started off in our over-under segment a couple weeks ago when it was you, me, John Hamblers, and Dennis, we started with the AFC East because right now that has the Super Bowl champions in the New England Patriots. So we're going to start right there again. Who do you have winning the AFC East? Still have it uh, New England. Um, I use a site that helps me track regular season matchups to project records, and I came here for for the Patriots. All right, and I came in at eleven and five, so just just one spot below the Patriots. Who'd you have coming in second? Jets, ten and six. I really like what the Jets did this offseason. I think they're going to be a strong playoff contender. As do I. We both have them at ten and six. Um, I'm going to take the next team because we have a pretty big split. Uh, on this next team, and I have the Buffalo Bills third, which you do as well, but I have them finishing with a 7-9 and nine record. Now, I do like this team. I like the defense. I think that their offense is going to get a little bit better uh, with Josh Allen there being his second year, but you are a little bit more down on them. What is your record that you are predicting for them this year, and why are you uh, so low? No, I shouldn't say so much lower, but why are you lower on the Bills? Uh, I came in with four and twelve. Um, I know they had some sparks at times last year. I still like their defense, but nothing they really did in the off season impresses me that much. I think they're a young team. In a couple of years, they could get somewhere else. But I was really looking at the schedule. I just am not a big believer in Buffalo. All right, and then we both had the Dolphins in last place. I had them at three and thirteen, and you had them at, at two and fourteen. So both. Uh, I have them, obviously, as uh, the number one pick in the NFL, and I believe you did as well. So neither one yeah. of us expecting a lot out of out of the Dolphins this year. Let's move on no. to your favorite division and the AFC West. Who do you have winning the West? Um, I actually have the Los Angeles Chargers, 12-4. and four. People forget they actually had the exact same record as the Chiefs last year, just a tiebreaker is what knocked them into the wild card spot. Um, I think they're... Still a really good team, and I think the Chiefs are going to come back to earth a little bit. So I had them 12-4 winning the West. All right, so I have the 
Chiefs winning the West at 11 and 5 tied with actually the Chargers at 11 and 5 and I think much like last year something in in the tiebreaker is going to repeat itself allowing the Chiefs to take that spot over the Chargers unfortunately dropping them into a wild card spot again this year. We Yeah, see I have the Chiefs at 10 and 6 and I'm thinking the difference between us is probably the way we picked the matchup between those two teams. Yes. Did you have uh, the Chargers winning both or it split? I had them winning both. Okay, yeah. See, I had it split one and one, and then just based on common opponents, the Chiefs getting that that one little tiebreaker above them to, to jump up above the Chargers. Who did you have a third in the division? Uh, my favorite team, the Denver Broncos. I had them at nine and seven, but really nothing between seven and nine and nine and seven would really surprise me. I think they're going to be better than some people think, but I think that they're still not up there in the elite level, but they could be challenging for a low-end playoff spot. I agree with you on that, and as you see, I put them at 8-8, eight and eight, which is really interesting uh, and, and something I didn't really think of beforehand, but I want to, we'll touch on once we get through our divisions and then our wildcard teams, just talk about how many teams were that close to competing because I have their right there with like five other teams for me in the AFC East that I would not – or in AFC East, my goodness, the AFC – that I would not be surprised if they get one of those or even possibly both those wild card spots. Although, you know, with, with me having the, the Chiefs and Chargers both at eleven and five, one of those would likely lock those positions up pretty pretty easily. But the rest of those teams, I would not be surprised. And the Broncos are one of them. I, I really like that defense, uh, and then I do think that Joe Flacco is going to be a step up from Case Keenum last year. While it might not be a huge step up, I think he will be a step up. I like a lot of the weapons he has around him in the receiving game and, and their running backs. So that obviously- I think what you're going to see um, as we kind of go through here, not just the AFC but the NFC looking at our records, I think both of us feel there's going to be a lot of teams in that middle section. I don't oh, see yeah. the, there being a big group of elite teams that pulls away and a big group of teams that is terrible. You're always going to have a few teams on either end, but I think there's going to be a lot of parity, and I think those last three, four weeks of the regular season aren't really going to tell the tale. Oh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. When I was going through this and then just kind of getting to where, the hardest part for me, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this really quick before we move forward, the hardest part for me was picking with my head and not my heart at certain certain points. When I got closer to the edge of the season, I started seeing the records stack up the way they were, and and we'll see, obviously, when we get further in. There's a couple divisions in the NFC where I have multiple teams separated by a game. And then part of yeah. me was sitting there picking them. I was like, man, but I would love to see this team win right here. But can they? Will they win that game? And it was a lot of debating against my heart and head on which team I wanted to actually see win it. And I'm hoping that it was more my head, but I really can't say for sure on some of those teams. So, yeah, it's I'm right there with you for for whatever reason. And it's, I can't really remember how close a lot of teams were last year. I mean, obviously, I know the Browns were very close to making the playoffs going into the Broncos game that Saturday. And that would have been right before Christmas, I think. Because um, yeah. I remember I actually was at Mile High Stadium for the game, but then that next Sunday they pretty much got eliminated because Baltimore and Pittsburgh had both won, and we had needed one of them to lose to kind of keep our hopes alive. So, I mean, then that's right there at the end of the season. So there was obviously some parity going into last season, but I feel like if, if everything shakes out the way me and you have our records on here, it's going to be a really interesting season come weeks 14 or so in the NFL and seeing these all these teams battle it out to see who can get into these last couple playoff spots. 
Well, and even if you have things like uh, both of us think the Jets could be ten and six pushing the Patriots along, it's really great if you're a fantasy owner because oh, yeah. even though most leagues wrap up, you know, hopefully week sixteen, you're not playing week seventeen. You really want teams to be competitive and playing for something down the stretch, especially those good teams, so that you know that those players are going to keep playing and keep giving it their all, uh, and so that you can keep rolling them in your lineup. So this would be, uh, you know, if this shakes out, this could be ideal for a lot of reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just looking at my rankings now, I only have nine teams with under 500 records. I have a lot of teams that are right there at 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and, and just barely missing out on the playoffs, and some of them, obviously, the bad teams I have – the, the Cardinals, Giants, and and Dolphins are really kind of what helps make it a little bit easier with those teams being as bad as, as at least I think that they're going to be. But even, yeah. for instance, the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't have them quite as bad as I'm sure, I'm sure some people have predicted for them. But speaking of bad, we both have the Raiders at the last spot there in the AFC West. What was the record that you were predicting for them? I went with 5-11. and 11. I really... Um... You know, I've enjoyed watching Hard Knocks. Part of me really wants to root for Gruden, and I wanted to check myself and make sure it's not biased. Uh, you know, as a Broncos fan, I've never really cared for the Raiders. But when you look at their schedule, it doesn't do them a lot of favors, and I still have a lot of questions on this team. I think talent-wise, they got better, but it may be a year or two before you see that reflected in their record. I agree with you, actually, 100%. So I have them with, at 5-11 and 11 as well, and I think that this is going... This is going to be the the last year that I think they're going to be down here. I love, as you were just talking about, the talent that they've kind of built around them. I know there's been a lot of drama, obviously, with Antonio Brown. I still think Derek Carr is going to be good. I've talked many times. I think he could have a, a reminiscent season of what he did in his MVP his MVP year with the with the Raiders. I think he's going to have a bounce back year. And and doing the, so with them finishing five and eleven this year, one thing we have to remember is they go now into a last place schedule as well, which I think might turn around and help them next year and make this uh, AFC West division even tighter than we already have it, and possibly have all four teams vying for that top spot and a playoff spot as early as next season. Well, and for me, I think that's a little bit why I'm riding the Chargers. To me, their window I think might be narrowing a little bit with Philip Rivers getting older and some of the pieces and the, their division possibly bouncing up. And the Raiders, we know, for by and large, they are really focused on 2020 because that's yeah. when they make the big move to Las Vegas and you know when they're hoping to make some splashy uh, kind of additions. So it wouldn't surprise me um, if they're still a little bit of a struggle this year and next year they come out with a little more fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So let's move on to my favorite division, or at least my favorite team in, in, in this division, the AFC North. Who do you have winning the AFC North? Uh, for me, I had the Steelers 10-6 and six winning, but I had uh, the Browns also at 10-6 and six making the playoffs and the Ravens 9-7. and seven. So just a real uh, tight bunch. I think uh, this is a division with three Really good teams. I think it's going to be close uh, right down the stretch. Um, I like the Browns, and I think they're going to take a step forward and make it into the playoffs. I think there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of new moving pieces, and sometimes um, that can lead to a few struggles. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland starts a little slowly, catches fire on the back end, makes it to the playoffs, and looks frisky there. I got you. So um, go ahead and give your Bengals a uh prediction as well since you since you talked about the other three and then I'll give my rundown of the AFC North 
Uh, Bengals, I do not have being competitive. I have them three and thirteen. I wasn't sold on their coaching hire. I'm not sold on their roster. And I think a really low key thing that has been not talked about a lot this uh, off season is the fact that their offensive line was fairly well devastated. Yeah. Um, you don't know where AJ Green's at. People are just expecting that John Ross against all. Uh, evidence we've seen over two years is actually going to develop into a viable wide receiver. I don't buy it. They are in a tough division. They play a tough schedule. I think the margin between six wins and three wins can be really small when you're not a great team. And I just, I don't think they're going to have a very good year. And I think this is going to be the end for Andy Dalton. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you right there with Andy Dalton. I do think that this is probably his last year, at least as a Bengal. Um, and I'll start there with them. I have them at six and 10, but I'm right. I, I agree with everything you said there. I would six and 10 to three and 13. I don't think is a big, I would not be surprised if they end up three and 13. This is, I just kind of was picking different games and then I probably gave them a couple more home wins than I should have. Uh, but I, I just, them playing at home, I was giving them a little bit of benefit down. I do kind of like Zach Taylor, at least some of the stuff I've read about him doing. And obviously they do have some really good weapons around Andy Dalton. But as you mentioned, their offensive line, which which looked to be very good this year, has been devastated with injury. So that is going to be a big deal uh, for them. I had the Browns winning at 11-5. and And I know some people are going to think that's a homer pick. Part of that was the schedule. They really don't have a lot of tough matchups. Now, I did have them taking both games against Pittsburgh, which is not going to be easy to do. Uh, But I I just believe in this Browns team. Obviously, they've got Rams, Patriots are going to be some tough games. I had them losing both of those, actually. Uh, But overall, I just felt like they, they played really good against the Ravens last year. I'm not a believer in Lamar Jackson. I think they improved their defense to a point where I think they'll be able to contain Lamar Jackson a little bit more, you know, have Baker not throw that interception at the uh, at the end of the Baltimore game last year in Week 17. The Browns likely drive down the field. All they needed was a field goal to win that game, so they probably could have beaten the Ravens then. Uh, they did get blown out by the Steelers in their second game, but they beat Pittsburgh earlier in the year. So it's, you know, it, for me... I just felt like this is going to be their year. Maybe I'm buying into all the hype and it's a homer pick, but I've got them at 11-5. And then the Steelers and Ravens, I have both at 9-7. and And I could see either one of those jumping up, and I could see either one of them winning the division as well. I've said all offseason that you cannot count out the Steelers, as much as that hurts me to admit that. They are, have been a class organization and have been the class of the AFC North for a very long time. Big Ben did not show any rust last year. I think Juju's a number one. I know you do as well. We've talked about that. So I don't think there's going to be any fall off in the receiving game with with Brown moving on. James Washington, I think, will be able to step up in that Juju role. And I believe James Conner and Jalen Samuels are going to be just fine back there. Uh, they showed they could replace Le'Veon Bell, and I imagine they'll do the same thing this year. One of the best offensive lines. They've got a great defense. Added uh, Devin Bush, who I think is going to be a phenomenal rookie linebacker there for them on that defense. So I would not be surprised if, if that ends up flipping and the Steelers do win the AFC North. But uh, for me right now, those three are, are, are really lock and step. I, I could see any one of them winning, but I am going to take my Browns to take the AFC North. Move on to the AFC South, and this is one that we both have extremely competitive. So who do you have winning the AFC South? And then just go ahead and give me a rundown of the entire division. 
Well, I'll preface this by saying the AFC South is probably the toughest division for me uh, when I've been looking at it. I've run um, some prediction scenarios a bunch of times when it was pre-Andrew Luck retirement. I was pretty well locked in on thinking the Colts uh, were going to take that division and be a real strong playoff contender. I don't think that they're going to fall into the tank uh, with Brissett, but really I will preface my my four teams by saying no outcome in this division would surprise me. These teams I feel like are all that close and, and could really flip around, but I went uh, Texans 9-7 and seven winning, Jaguars 8-8, eight and eight, and then Colts and Titans both 7-9. and nine. All right, so I'm um... – Obviously, right there with you on the Colts. I've talked about how I don't think they're going to have that big of a drop down with Jacoby Brissett. I think he's going to be much better than people give them credit for. I actually have the Jaguars winning this division at nine and seven, and the Texans going eight and eight. I love all the moves that the Texans have made. We talked about it on the podcast yesterday. But this defense for the Jaguars, I think, is going to take a huge step forward. That was kind of my biggest reason in putting them up there uh, at nine and seven. Uh, they were a in my opinion, a Super Bowl defense just a couple years ago, I do think Nick Foles is a step up above Blake Bortles. And I think having John Filippo there with all the weapons that he has in D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Chark, Marquise Lee, I think they are going to be really good. And I'm hoping part of my predictions on and predicting them to get to 9-7 and seven was that Leonard Fournette is actually going to produce some this year. Uh, he's talked about how he had to go away and kind of find himself. I think you were talking about that the other day uh, on one of the podcasts. So it, it's – for me, I'm buying all in on this defense and this offense improving just enough to take the division. I have the Texans at 8-8, eight and eight, the Colts dropping down to 7-9 and nine, as you do as well, and then the, Col- the Titans at 6-10, and ten, so just a step below. But very – very close division. I mean, you got a, a couple game swing here or there for the Titans, and they're right there with the Jaguars for both of us. Obviously, you have it uh, one game closer than I do uh, with them, with me being at six and ten, and you at seven and nine. But obviously, we're both predicting this division to be extremely tight and likely going to come down to to those last couple weeks to decide the winner of the AFC South. Yep. All right, so let's move on to the NFC now and the NFC North. This was another division for me that was extremely hard to predict, both the the North and the South. I actually think I struggled the most with the NFC divisions. It took me a long time to try and figure these out. So go ahead and give me your winner in the NFC North and then a breakdown of all your other teams. So my winner in the NFC North, I have the Bears 11 and 5, and then I had Packers and Vikings both 9 and 7, just shy of the playoffs, and Lions 7 and 9. I like the Lions. I think they have a better year, but I just don't uh, see them making a big move in that group. All right, so I had the Packers at 11 and 5, the uh, the Vikings at 10 and 6, the Bears dropping to 9 and 7, and I'm and I have the Lions at 7 and 9 as well. The reason I have the Bears dropping, and I, I talked about this with Dennis before, we had both done like a, uh, we, we did a little, uh, what's what's the word I want to use here, like a little game or however you want to word it. Uh, there was every year, I think for the past five years or ten years, something like that, it's been four teams have uh, come out that were in the playoffs the year before and four new teams have entered. And so we kind of picked and choose who we thought was going to get in and out, so on and so forth. And both of us picked the Bears. And my biggest thing and my biggest worrisome about the Bears is their defense. Their defense was phenomenal last year. 
led the league in turnovers, and, and that did help give Mitchell Trubisky a shorter field and, and really allow them to score more often than I think they will do this year because uh, something else I looked at, every year a defense has led the league in defense or led the league in turnovers. They've dropped an average of 16 turnovers the next year. And I think if the Bears are not able to get turnovers, which is the hardest thing to predict, there's no way for us to go and look at them like, oh yeah, they're going to get this many interceptions or this many forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. There's just no way for us to be able to predict that. So I do think that they take a step back in that department, which then leads them to be a little bit more subpar. I do like the Bears. I like what they are doing. I think Matt Nagy has got them moving in the right direction, but I don't believe in the offensive weapons as much as I do the Vikings and the Packers, and that's what helped kind of push them ahead for me. Moving on. Um, that's pro- See, that's probably our difference. I wouldn't be surprised if the defense took a little bit of a step back, but I think Trubisky in the offense takes a little bit of a step up this year. Okay. Well, that, that will be interesting. Yeah. See, oh, man, it's hard for me because I don't think, I, I don't think Tariq Cohen is going to have as big as a, a big as a role as he did last year, because I think David mm-hmm. Montgomery is going to really be the lead guy. And I, I love David Montgomery, uh, but I'm just Allen Robinson scares me, and I don't believe in in really anybody else outside of outside of Robinson. I mean, Anthony Miller, he's a good wide receiver, but does he scare me as much as say Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs? No. Does he scare me as much as I mean? I would put Devontae Adams is likely going to outscore both of those guys in fantasy and and together in Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, if that makes sense. I don't Trey yeah. Burton. He, he was supposed to be coming over to the Chicago Bears to like revolutionize the tight end position, and we have yet to see that happen. So I, I, I don't – you could be very right, and, and I know a lot of people are, are very high on the Bears, and, and I don't want to say that I'm not. I mean, I do have them at 9-7. and seven. Could they be better than that? Absolutely. You know, the, I had the Packers winning uh, on Thursday night, but – this uh this might be a little interesting trivia question for you. I don't I don't know if you would know this. Uh, do you know the last time that a Packers head coach beat the Bears in their first game? I do not. It was back in 1971 with Dan Devine. So so that's that's a pretty you know it's uh. It's a meaningless stat, so to say, because obviously it has nothing to do with the Packers now and, and, and Lafleur. But the fact that it's been like that for that long since not, I think it was 1971. It might have been 73, but it was a long time ago. Obviously, that was the first time a first-year head coach with the Packers was able to beat the Chicago Bears in their first game. That's a big deal. But I did have the Packers winning that one. And I think that's what kind of uh, changed a little bit of my rankings uh, for the teams. But we'll we'll see. Uh, I think this is going to be, as I said, the only division I think is not going to be as tight is the NFC East. I have all of the. Uh, the next through the north, the south, and the west, three teams competing for the division. And this one with the Packers, Vikings, and Bears. I would not be surprised if any of them win it. But I do think Aaron Rodgers has got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder with all the talk about him last year and going into the offseason that, that he's just a, a salty old man now and pretty much telling everybody to get off his lawn. I think he's got a little bit something to prove. I think they're going to rely on Aaron Jones a little bit more, and I do believe in Aaron Jones. And I'm believing that one of these other wide receivers is going to take a step up opposite of Devontae Adams and really make this passing game uh, something to fear. So let's move on to the NFC South. Who do you have winning the South, and and how do you have the rest of the division playing out? I have the Saints on top, 12-4, Falcons 10-6, a playoff team. 
uh, Buccaneers seven and nine, and then the Panthers at five and eleven. I know that's probably our biggest disparity. I just not a huge fan of the composition of the Panthers as a team, and I don't believe Cam Newton is healthy and is going to hold up this season. So that's probably why we're so different on the Panthers, because I do um, obviously watch and listen to a lot of NFL stuff all day long. My job allows me to kind of listen to stuff all day long. And there's been a lot of talk about his new throwing motion, how it's supposed to help his shoulder, and it's supposed to make him a more accurate quarterback. We'll see. Uh, but I'm, I've always been a believer in Cam. I think he's one of the best athletes in the game, and I love his weapons. DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel. I think Ian Thomas is going to take a huge step forward at tight end this year. He was pretty good last year when he started filling in for Greg Olson. It's not easy for rookie tight ends to step in and, and kind of make a make a name for themselves, and I think he did a really good job doing that for the most part. So I have the Panthers winning this division based on a tiebreaker over the Saints, both finishing 10-6. and I have the Falcons finishing 8-8 eight and eight and the Buccaneers at 7-9, and nine, just like you do. So the biggest thing separating us then, it looks like, is, is Cam Newton and his health and play in the difference for the Panthers uh, with a, with a five-game swing there between the two of us. So the NFC East, how do you who do you have winning that, and how do you have the division playing out? I have the Eagles on top, ten and six. Uh, then Cowboys nine and seven, Giants five and eleven, and Redskins two and fourteen. I think Washington's going to be awful, and I think this is probably the end for Jay Gruden. Interesting. So I got to stay on the train for the Redskins. I've been talking about them for a while. I think this defense is going to be really good. Uh, there was a report earlier today that saying Trent Williams might be back sooner than everybody thought he was going to be just based on, obviously, him pretty much being radio silent through a lot of this stuff with his holdout. I have the Eagles winning this division as well, 10-6. and six. I have the Cowboys, though, at 8-8, eight and eight, the Redskins at 7-9, and nine, and the Giants as well at 5-11. and 11. I think Case Keenum is going to be the starter for a couple weeks. Dwayne Haskins is going to come in, and although he is a rookie, I just believe in his talent. I think he, he showed through the end of the preseason there that he can get it done and be a very good quarterback. I think they're going to just miss being in the playoffs, but I agree with you. I would not be surprised, even finishing 7-9, and nine, not making the playoffs, that this is likely the end of the Jay Gruden era in Washington. The last division here, we've got the NFC West. How do you have this division shaking out? I have the Rams 11 and 5 winning 10 and 6 for the 49ers making it into the playoffs. 8 and 8 for the Seahawks. That was probably my toughest one going through. I like some of the moves they made. They're always a scrappy team. It wouldn't surprise me if they could get to 9 and 7 or 10 and 6 looking at the record. That's how I played it out. And then Cardinals 4 and 12. Uh, I am not a big believer in the Kingsbury-Murray regime. I think the biggest holdback to having lived through the Vance Joseph experience is RIP any hopes that you were going to have a real defense in the desert. (laughs) Yeah, I remember you talking about that on an earlier podcast. So um, I do have the Cardinals finishing last as well at 5-11. I have the Seahawks winning the division, though, at 9-7. I just... I believe in Russell Wilson. I love a lot of the moves that they've made here in the offseason. Obviously, Jadavion Clowney being the big one, bringing him over, I think, to solidify that defense and make them just incredibly versatile and, and honestly terrifying. And, and we've seen in the past when, when Pete Carroll can have a really good defense and a good run game, 
that they can be an extremely successful team. I think Chris Carson and Rashad Penny are going to be able to get it done on the ground. I have the Rams finishing second at 9-7, and seven, the 49ers finishing third at 8-8. Eight and eight. So just kind of missing out of the playoffs. So let's go ahead and obviously do we'll do our playoff stuff first and then we'll get into our award season stuff here. Um I want you to give your your division winners or, or your seeds through one through six for the AFC and then the NFC. Then I'll give Tony's as he sent his in and then I will give mine last. Uh so for me AFC uh Chargers winning the West then Patriots two in the East, then Steelers three, Texans four, Wild Cards, Jets five, Browns six, NFC Saints one, Rams two, Bears three, Eagles four, Wild Cards, 49ers five, Falcons six. All right, and then so for Mr. Tony Dwyer, he has the in the AFC the Pats winning, the Chiefs winning, the Browns winning the North, and the Texans winning the South. And then he has uh, the Eagles winning the East, the Rams winning the West, the Bears winning the North, and the Falcons winning the South, which is very interesting to me. He did not give us our uh, his wild card teams, but honestly, doesn't matter because he doesn't have any wild card teams in in the NFC or AFC Championship games. So. For me, in the AFC, uh, my one seed was the Chargers, two seed the Patriots. Uh, that doesn't make any sense, so I definitely messed that up. Oh, that was yours. Okay, makes more sense now. It's confusing when I'm it's looking at the show sheet. both named Matt. Yeah, exactly. I was looking, I'm like, man, I could have swore I had the Chiefs above the Chargers. What am I doing? Okay, so for me, let's let's do this right now because my name is Matt Bruning. I, I did forget that for a minute. All right, so the Chiefs is the one seed, the Patriots is the two seed, the Browns is a three seed, Jaguars at the four of Chargers and Jets making it in as the uh, the wild cards in the AFC. In the NFC, I have the Packers one, the Eagles two, Panthers three, Seahawks four, Vikings and Saints jumping in as the wild card. So uh, before we move on to that, I wanted to, I said we were going to talk about how close we had some teams. So just to give you guys reference, Falcons at eight and eight, the Cowboys at eight and eight Rams. I'm sorry, the 49ers at eight and eight and the bears at nine and seven for me, all right. there vying for a playoff spot and almost making it into the playoffs in the AFC. The Broncos at 8-8. Eight eight, the Steelers and Ravens both at 9-7. and seven. The Texans, uh, did they make it in for me? I already forgot. They did not at 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, And then the Colts even at 7-9, and nine, all right there. Um, and the Bills at 7-9 and nine as well for me, all just missing out on the playoffs. That's how close I had. And what about you, Matt? Who did you have just on the verge of making the playoffs in the AFC and the NFC? Uh, so in the AFC, um, obviously Ravens 9-7 and seven, um, were real close for me. And then um, the Broncos at 9-7, and seven, the Chiefs at, even at 10-6, and six, uh, real close. Chiefs I had being kind of the first team out, a little bit of uh, bad luck. I think they're going to come back to earth a little bit. Um, and it was just, you know, real tight. And then in the NFC, Packers and Vikings, 9-7, and seven, close but not quite in. Cowboys, 9-7, and seven, close but not quite in. Um, for me, I think we've seen in the last few years, it's it's really almost takes 10 wins to get into the playoffs. So that was kind of ended up being a, a threshold when I was running the numbers. A uh, whole bunch of teams, you know, between 7 and 9 and 9 and 7, just right there, probably competing right to the end. And then even in my scenario, I even had one, obviously, 10-wing team in the Chiefs, just not quite in. All right, 
right, so let's go on to round one of the playoffs. Go ahead and give me your round one matchups and who you think wins. Uh, Texans over the Jets. Uh, Browns over the Steelers. Um, so one wild card winning in the AFC, then Bears over the Falcons, Eagles over the 49ers. All right, and then for me in round one, I had the Browns over the Jets, the Jaguars over the Chargers, the Panthers over the Saints, and the Vikings over the Seahawks. So that was my one wild card that was going to win in opening week. What did you have happening in round two? I had uh, Chargers over the Browns, Patriots over the Texans, Bears going into Los Angeles and beating the Rams, Saints over the Eagles. All right, so then I had the Chiefs over the Jaguars, the Browns over the Patriots, the Vikings continuing their run over the Packers, and then the Panthers going over the Eagles. Round three, we're in the AFC and NFC Championship games. Who do you got winning that and moving on to the Super Bowl? Uh, for me, I have the Chargers over the Patriots in the AFC and the Saints over the Bears in the NFC. All right. So for me, I had the Chiefs beating the Browns. That was where my, my homerism kind of died. I just I did not see that being able to happen. Uh, and then I had the Vikings actually over the Eagles. Super Bowl. You don't have to give a score. I put a score on there. But who do you think ends up winning the Super Bowl? I had the Saints over the Chargers with Breeze getting the uh, Super Bowl title over his former team, and I think quite possibly if that's the case that that might be the end for him like uh, like John Elway or Peyton Manning before him kind of riding off into the sunset. Not going to lie, I like that answer a lot more than mine, and I would love to see that happen. Drew Brees, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, seems to be one of the nicest guys in the game as well. Would love to see that happen for him. I had the Vikings over the Chiefs. 38-31, I think the, the the Purple People leaders, all all that wonderful stuff in Minnesota, they finally get it done. Kirk Cousins' second year in this offense with a loaded offense and a loaded defense are just able to outscore the Chiefs enough in, in a very high-scoring game. So obviously two very different games that we had and two very different Super Bowl winners. Let's get into Mr. Tony Dwyer. So he had... Where do we go? In the NFC, he has the Bears and the Eagles, and then a in the AFC, a Chiefs and Pats rematch. However, he has the Bears winning against the Eagles and the Chiefs beating the Patriots, so getting their revenge a little bit. So Bears-Chiefs Super Bowl, he has yet to give us a prediction on who he thinks will win the Super Bowl. So if he gets it to us before we end the podcast, I will definitely throw that in there. Awards time, and I'm going to start with Dennis's since he sent that in here. Start off with the fantasy MVP. He has Deshaun Watson 
winning the fantasy MVP. He has been very big on the Texans, and obviously them adding all the moves and making all the moves that they did this weekend has, has definitely propped him up even more in Dennis's eyes. Who did you have winning the fantasy MVP this season? Uh, as I did in the post that we published last uh, Friday on the blog, I went with Justin Jackson. Um, you know, with fantasy MVP, you usually think uh, when this time of year, people are usually picking those top round picks or big names. Uh, but if we're really being honest, the fantasy MVP every year is the guy who largely goes undrafted or who you get off the waiver wire that puts up a huge number for you last year. I think we could all agree the fantasy MVP was Philip Lindsay, who uh, put up top 10 running back numbers for most of the season and went largely undrafted, was the guy people got on the waiver wire. For me, Justin Jackson, I loved his value. It's becoming more and more clear. Melvin Gordon's not coming back. Austin Eckler is fine. Nothing against him. But I think Jackson is the one that has a chance of returning some great value. And for what you paid for him, I know for me, scooping him up all summer, he was pretty much free. Um, I think that's where a big value is going to lie. Yeah, so I love that pick, and I would agree with that, but I don't want to to just agree with you to agree with you. So I'm actually going to give you a guy who I have winning another award here in a minute, and mine's going to be Devin Singletary. Obviously, if uh, if you drafted earlier in the season before the Shady McCoy news, you were being able to get him in the double-digit rounds. He was definitely getting drafted. Uh, he wasn't going undrafted like Justin Jackson, but he was going a lot later in drafts. Even after the news came out here, I talked about it in the podcast yesterday. I got him uh, in round 8 in one league and round 10 in another. Uh, so that's still fairly late for a guy who could eventually put up a ton of points in that Buffalo offense, which is likely going to be very run heavy. So a guy that you can get that late, I think, with his ability and, and really no one else competing with him. I know he's got Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon there, but I think he's by far the best talent. Uh, while I do agree with you that Justin Jackson is the better talent over Austin Eckler, he'll he'll be pesky enough to steal some points away from Justin Jackson, at least while he's healthy. Uh, so I think Devin Singletary could end up outscoring Justin Jackson a little bit. So I'm going to take him as my fantasy MVP, a guy you can get, or at least you could get much later in drafts who could really outproduce his ADP. Who do you have as your NFL MVP for this season? Uh, for NFL MVP, um, obviously you heard if you were listening to our predictions and stuff, I'm uh, in on the Chargers this year, so a lot of the awards are going to come out of there. I went with Philip Rivers, I think a guy who's been a consummate professional, underrated a lot of his career. Uh, Melvin Gordon, obviously not there. He's going to have some younger running backs. If they finish where I think they're going to finish, um, I think he's an easy call for me. Yeah, and I follow the same path as you when it comes to these next couple awards and a team that I believe is going to take a big step forward, and it's going to be because of their quarterback and head coach that they do that, and that for me is the Cleveland Browns, so I have Baker Mayfield winning the NFL MVP. Who is your coach of the year? Again, kind of keeping with the theme, I went with Anthony Lynn. I think what he did last year was pretty spectacular. The Chargers were a team for a number of years that were really known for a hot start collapsing down the stretch. Last year, he kept them going strong. They were road warriors. Their team has pretty much no home field advantage uh, because they're kind of without a home for the next couple of years. I think they're going to be really good, and I think he's going to get some recognition. And I'm going to go with uh, Freddie Kitchens. If they're able to go and, and win 11 games and finish 11-5 and five, like I have them predicted, I don't see I, – I, if – 
if the Chargers do what I have them predicted as well, I would not be surprised if Anthony Lynn wins it. But to take the, the Cleveland Browns to an 11-5 record, I think we would pretty easily sew up the award for Freddie Kitchens. Uh, let's go, and before we get out of here, touch on our Rookies of the Year. Uh, so for the AFC, Dennis has Josh Jacobs. He said opportunity is key here. Uh, so uh, him le- believing in Josh Jacobs being the lead workhorse in Oakland and getting a ton of uh, ton of run and a ton of fantasy points. Who do you have as your AFC Rookie of the Year? Uh, AFC, I went with Singletary. I mean, I think he has a golden opportunity. Um, I don't think Buffalo is going to be that great, but I like to see what he's going to do. Josh Jacobs is in a good situation. I'm just not a believer that he puts up huge numbers all season. Yeah, uh, I can't uh, eloquent that any better than you just did. I went Singletary as well for the exact same reasons, and I as well am not a believer in Josh Jacobs. Um, you and Dennis actually have the same rookie of the year in the NFC, so I'll give his... uh, I'll give his breakdown on it, but I will let you announce who you guys picked and then your breakdown on it. He said the lead back in what he thinks is going to be a very good offense. Who did you guys pick to be the NFC Rookie of the Year, and what were your thoughts on picking him? Uh, David Montgomery um, for the Bears, and I think probably somewhat similar to the reasons that uh, Dennis went with him, and somewhat similar to the reasons we talked about a little bit of a difference between the two of our takes on the Bears before I think their offense will take a step up. I like Montgomery. I'm excited to see what he's going to do, and I think he has a good opportunity. Um, I'm excited to see him run out there. Yeah, so Montgomery was right there with me. I ended up going Kyler Murray because while I don't think that the Cardinals are going to have a great record, I loved what I saw out of Kyler in Oklahoma, and I do think that him and Cliff Kingsbury are going to be running some kind of college-style offense. Now, will that work for multiple years to come? I don't know, but I do think it works this year, and Kyler Murray puts up a ton of rushing and passing yards this year, kind of giving him that Rookie of the Year award because I also do think a lot of these awards are or in a way slided toward quarterbacks because they're able to do so much for their team. So I think that's what ends up giving him the edge over Montgomery. But I love the Montgomery pick, and I would not be surprised if he ends up being um, it being the guy that, that is just phenomenal. So that right there wraps it up for us. That's all of our predictions right there. We uh, will be back on Thursday to give you guys a preview of the Thursday night football game and then obviously go over some trades, uh, some team grades as well, and then Matt will will continue his weekly movie league uh, talk as well. So I'm excited to jump into all that. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today, and I look forward to talking to you in a couple days when the NFL season is finally going to start. Yep, sounds great. Can't wait. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!